Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Last week I covered the Paul W.S. Anderson classic. It's hard for me to believe I'm calling it a classic, but his classic film. I think it's appropriate that we go ahead and dive into the sequel, Annihilation. So here we go. This is the John R. Leonetti directed. Annihilation. All right, so I promise I won't use that soundbite anymore in this episode. Mortal Kombat Annihilation, released in 1997. It was probably one of the first big disappointments I've ever had in a theater. I thought the movie was awful when I saw it back in 97. I still think it's awful to this very day. I was hoping that time would be kind to this film. Instead, it probably made it worse. My rewatch yielded quite a bit of laughs from me. I try to look for the good in a movie. This one here is actually really tough to find anything good to say about it. As a matter of fact, this movie would be a very good candidate of the reason why sequels are unnecessary. Yes, the first film left with a huge cliffhanger. This one here, I can't see myself ever re-watching it again. I watched it specifically in prep for the new Mortal Kombat film. I wanted to tackle the two original MK films. This one here is just not worth your time. It's an hour and a half. It kind of breezes by, but it's still boring at the same time. Mortal Kombat Annihilation does in fact have a cult following, but it has a cult following because this movie is so awful. People that enjoy bad movies seem to enjoy this one. I myself enjoy bad films. There's a difference between a good, bad movie and a bad, bad movie, if that makes any sense. For me to enjoy a bad film, I have to actually get enjoyment out of it. This one here gives me no enjoyment. That's one of the worst sins that you can have when you have a bad film. Granted, no filmmaker or producer sets out to make a bad film. However, this film with the script that they had they should have known better. The only thing I can think of is that they were really trying to double down on the preteen and teen market to, again, deliver quite possibly the coolest thing they've ever seen. So I guess if they did actually set out to make a movie like that, then they probably succeeded. It's definitely not for me, even as a 13 year old when I did go to see this film, it wasn't good. Let's look at one of the worst things that MK Annihilation did. That's with a lot of the recasting that happened between movies. Johnny Cage and Sonya are now played by an actor, Chris Conrad and Sandra Hess. Sadly, Raiden was recast as well. He's now played by James Remar. Of all the recasts, he's not that bad as Raiden. He just doesn't hold a candle to what Christopher Lambert did with his interpretation of Raiden. It was infinitely better. It was more fun as well. Johnny Cage is on screen for probably about, I don't know, five minutes. Does a shadow kick, gets his neck snapped. So actor Chris Conrad didn't really have too much to do. I think Johnny Cage might have been a beefier role originally for the sequel, but they probably cut it out when they realized he looked nothing like Lyndon Ashby from the first Mortal Kombat film. The character of Sonya, played by Sandra Hess, She's kind of a damsel in distress in this movie. It kind of sucks compared to the first film where it established her character as a strong female, a strong female character, 
that doesn't rely on anybody but herself. In this one, she's torn up about the death of Johnny Cage, so as a result, she seems to rely on the guys a lot more than what she did in the first film. Robin Cho is back as Liu Kang. He's probably one of the brightest spots in the movie. Again, he is great in the role. However, I feel he plays the role a little bit too serious in a movie that really does feel campy. But the movie feels campy because it wants us to take it seriously. So I'm not sure what vibe they were really going for with this one. A side note on the recasting. I did do a little research on why there were so many recasts. It seems a lot of the original actors, they didn't want to come back because of a bad script. I honestly think they were all wise to stay away. Another thing about Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I praised the first film with the set design. I still think that the set design of the original film looks great. This is another spot where Annihilation takes a nosedive in quality. The sets are awful, mostly because they're non-existent. I'm convinced 75 to 80% of the sets are simply green screen, and it shows. It all looks cheap. Combine this with a first-time director, along with a lousy script, and you get Mortal Kombat Annihilation. While we're on the subject of how cheap the sets look, the costumes look equally cheap. It's awesome that they decide to include the cyborg character of Cyrax. It's not so awesome when you have an actor in a suit that looks like cheap plastic. You can say the same about the character of Smoke, but I think he has a better looking suit mostly because of the purple color and considering it's in a dark setting, it does mask the cheap look just a tiny bit. One of the more impressive things about this movie is that it was directed by John R. Leonetti. John R. Leonetti, this was his first film. He worked as a cinematographer on various other films, notably the first Mortal Kombat film. It's all the more bizarre to me because I think the first Mortal Kombat film looks great from a cinematography and just overall look. They nailed it in the first movie. So in this one, what happened? Was it a cheap budget? I know this movie was made for only about 30 million, but seriously, this is the best that they could come up with? Director John R. Leonetti would go on to other projects. One of the more notable ones was the first spin-off in the Conjuring series, Annabelle. Annabelle is also a movie that I don't care for. It's a very boring film that I have yet to actually sit through and watch all the way. I wound up stopping midway through, mostly just because I was bored. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is boring as well. I think it might be boring mostly because they overdid it with all the fighting. There's seriously a ton of fights throughout this movie. I'm gonna say that they're probably better shot than the first film, but just because you have a lot more going on as far as your fighting doesn't make the movie good. I'm convinced story-wise there is actually a decent film somewhere inside here. Where it's at, I have no idea. No amount of re-editing this movie would actually save it. I never thought that I would say this, but Paul W.S. Anderson's lack of involvement here definitely harms this one. Had he come back and maybe add a little bit of the same flair that he had for the first film, maybe keeping the same type of feeling throughout, it may have been a better film. It may have actually become an actual franchise and series of films. We'll never know. He was able to work his magic, if you want to call it that, on the Resident Evil films. As much as I don't care for those, they had an audience, people went to see them, the Resident Evil series of films also lasted longer than just simply 
two films. So let's talk about something that they got right. Character design. They actually look like their video game counterparts. That's something they got right in the first film, so it's good that they kept that going here. Of course, a lot of the characters that we get are characters from Mortal Kombat 3. It does incorporate a little bit of Mortal Kombat 4 with the father of villain Shao Kahn, Shinnok, making an appearance here. The various other characters we were treated to, but I wasn't really expecting, are Shiva, Sindel, Ermac, Noob Saibot, and Mataro. There's a bunch more, but every single one is wasted. Even the ones that I mentioned here, a lot of them are on screen for just a couple minutes and they're simply killed off. They die far too quickly. It really is a huge mishandling of the characters here. But it is good that they look like who they're supposed to look like. We even get Nightwolf, who teaches Liu Kang about the animalities. Something that they should have never included in this movie, but they did. I'll get to that in just a moment. The other character that they included, Shao Kahn, it's good that he's here. He was also teased at the end of the first Mortal Kombat film. Sadly, he looked a lot cooler in the first Mortal Kombat film than what he does here. I also do not like that he's not in his mask very much. I kind of want him to just be like Frank Langella's Skeletor in the Masters of the Universe film where he's wearing the mask the entire time. Instead, he's out of his mask a lot. Shao Kahn is played by actor Brian Thompson, who you may know from the first Terminator film. He's one of the punks with Bill Paxton at the very beginning. He was also in the movie Cobra. I myself know him best from the X-Files as the alien bounty hunter. Either way, actor Brian Thompson is way over the top as Shao Kahn. He way overdoes it. Maybe I could have accepted a little bit more if he was wearing his mask the entire time. I don't know. It's mishandling just like all the other characters in the film. So, about those animalities. Animalities in the Mortal Kombat series started, I believe, in Mortal Kombat 3. That was where the finishing move was not a fatality, but instead your character would turn into a animal who would then finish off their opponent. It was fun. It works for the video games. Doesn't really work for putting it into a movie, specifically a PG-13 movie. Not only that, they didn't use it in the same context as the video game, which is all the more reason why it should have never had an appearance here. Liu Kang, his animality, he proceeds to turn into a giant Godzilla-like looking thing. It's supposed to be a dragon, but no, Shao Kahn more or less turns into something that looks like King Ghidorah from Godzilla. It's a dumb scene, the CGI is awful looking. It's just weird for a movie that really adhered to a lot of stuff that the video game presented. It goes and it does its own thing in a lot of ways. It's just an odd mix between the two. I think that's probably where the movie fails. I mean, we're even treated to what I call giant hamster balls, which is how our heroes travel pretty close to the beginning of the film. They travel in these giant hamster balls in the Earth's core. Because of the Earth's core and all the pressure inside of it, that's what forces the ball to move so fast that it feels like they're not moving at all. I honestly don't know why they decided to do something like this. It's something that is very strange to include in this movie. So, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is not a movie I could recommend at all. 
If you're a fan of bad movies, maybe check it out. It might be something you like. Who knows? I myself didn't care for it back then. I don't care for it now. You know your movie has problems when you decide to recap the first film in the first five minutes. Simply to not so much retell the story, but instead feel like you're trying to pad out the runtime a little bit further. Somehow in the first film, they were able to strike a good balance between the cheese and the serious. This one here, they completely fumbled it the whole way. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Also, if you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at anchor.fm slash adamanalyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, go ahead, feel free and contact me at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to create new episodes as well as reach new listeners. Plus, I simply love those digital hugs. With that being said, be kind and... Sorry about that. I know I did promise no more Mortal Kombat sound bites, but I couldn't resist that one. Anyway, be kind and good night. Thank you.